today, Rinpoche began the section of the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment on special insight. Without wisdom, it's not possible to become a Buddha. And without a teacher teaching you that wisdom, it's not possible to understand emptiness. Let's get, get this thing started. Okay, dig some Rinpoche. Okay. So when we look at uh, how we would divide Lord Buddha's teachings, and we look at this text, the great treatise on the, sp the stage of the path to enlightenment, uh, and we look at what's special about it, what does it contain? we'll see that it contains the way that you would divide all of Lord Buddha's teachings into three categories. So if we were to take everything the Buddha ever taught, it would fit into these three. So the first category is, uh, so these are called the teachings for beings of three capacities. So the first category of teaching is called the teaching for beings of small capacity. Uh, these teachings are for beings who wish to achieve rebirth in the higher realms of cyclic existence, wish to in uh, his or her or their next lives to be reborn in the gods or the humans realm. Uh, so by relying on teachings such as going for refuge to the three jewels of the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha, and engaging in an ethical behavior which abandons ten non-virtuous activities, and then if one wavers, acknowledging those downfalls. And by relying on these practices, one is able to achieve rebirth in the higher realms of cyclic existence, and these teachings are called the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity. The next division of teachings is for the practitioner who wishes to achieve his or her own individual nirvana. Uh, these are called the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity. Uh, these are the Hinayana teachings, and these are uh, th this practitioner engages in the practice of the three highest higher trainings, the highest higher training in ethics, highest higher training in concentration, and the highest higher training in wisdom. In dependence upon these three highest higher trainings, he or she is able to then achieve nirvana or his or her own individual liberation from a, a Hinayana perspective or the lesser vehicle perspective. Then the last category of teachings is called the teachings for beings of great capacity. And these teachings are for beings who wish to achieve complete Buddhahood. Uh, so uh, this practitioner engages in all of the teachings that were previously mentioned, all of the practices, and then couples them with the generation of the mind that aspires to enlightenment or bodhicitta, and then from that generation of bodhicitta, he or she engages in the practice of the six perfections, and then these practices allow him or her to achieve then complete Buddhahood. Uh, so this uh, is how we would divide the Buddhist teachings into three categories. Uh, Lord Atisha in uh, The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment was really the one who, who put these, uh, these um, capacities and put all these practices into stages so that they were uh, created so that a practitioner could go from the beginning of where one would start to complete Buddhahood and understand all of the stages 
and, um, and necessary steps in order to do so. And then Lama Tsongkhapa expanded upon Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment with this text, the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, which is actually considered a commentary on Lord Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. Uh, so the lamp is very, very short, a couple pages long. This is 800 or so. So you can see the expansive explanation that Lama Tsongkhapa did with this um, and his other medium Lam Rim and smaller Lam Rims, which all are commentaries on Atisha's lamp, which are all explanations of these three capacities. Chiba <coughs> Magumba Kunto Nelasu Dazimabumbe Dame 
Okay, so again, we're on page 107, uh, How to Train in Insight. As I have explained, meditative serenity has the features of one, non-discursiveness, i.e., when your attention is intentionally set on a single object of meditation, it stays there. Two, clarity, i.e., it is free from laxity. And three, benefit, delight, and bliss. Just as a translator's note, just remember that we're in the third section of the text, which has now gone over. Uh, it starts to get into um, just negation of non-Buddhist, but we realize that the reason that happens is because there is no negation of true self. Um, so just there's not, it's not just um, being negative. It's not being negative for negative sakes towards other tradition. It's pointing out the missing piece that disallows liberation. Um, the missing piece that disallows them to achieve liberation. Uh, so you'll see what I mean when we, as we read forward. Um, and, and, and if you look in Chandrakirti's text, it points out that these debates aren't done for the point of winning a competition. They're done for getting at the truth, which is what liberates us. So um, I just wanted to make sure that that's clear as we read this, because the third section of this book, and specifically as we get into wisdom, becomes very sharp and cutting, uh, because there's not time to, you know, explain, oh, this is what we really, you know, are trying to get at. Um, it's just very concise and cutting. Um, so, benefit, i.e. delight and bliss. However, you should not be satisfied with just this. Rather, developing the wisdom that properly determines the meaning of reality, you must cultivate insight. Otherwise, since mere concentration is something Buddhists have in common even with non-Buddhists, its cultivation, as with non-Buddhist paths, will not get rid of the seeds of the afflictions. Hence, it is not... 
hence it will not free you from cyclic existence. As Kamala Shila's first stages of meditation says, after you have thus stabilized your mind on an object of meditation, you should analyze it with wisdom. It is the dawn of knowledge that obliterates the seeds of confusion. If you do not do this, you cannot abandon the afflictions with concentration alone, just as non-Buddhists cannot. The King of Concentration Sutras says, Although worldly persons cultivate concentration, they do not destroy the notion of self. Afflictions return and disturb them, as they did, as they did Utraka, who cultivated concentration in this way. The phrase, although worldly persons cultivate concentration, means that worldly persons cultivate a concentration with features such as a non-discursiveness and clarity, as explained above. The line, they do not destroy the notion of self, means that despite cultivating the concentration, they cannot eliminate the conception of self. Afflictions return and disturb them. Indicates that worldly persons will still produce afflictions because they have not eliminated the conception of self. What kind of meditation leads to liberation? As cited earlier, the very next verse of the King of Concentration Sutra says, If you analytically discern the lack of self in phenomena, and if you cultivate that analysis in meditation, this will cause the result, attainment of nirvana. There is no peace through any other means. The first line sets out the condition. If, after you have analytically discerned phenomena which are selfless, you develop the wisdom that understands the meaning of selflessness. The second line, and if you cultivate that analysis in meditation, refers to sustaining and cultivating in meditation the philosophical view of selflessness that you have gained. The third line, this will cause the result, attainment of nirvana, means that this is the cause of attaining the goal, nirvana, or liberation. Liberation is attained through cultivating that wisdom. Can you also attain liberation without that wisdom by cultivating some other path? The fourth line of this passage says, There is no peace through any other means, meaning that even if you were to cultivate another path, you would not quell suffering and the afflictions without the wisdom. This scripture very clearly teaches the only, that only the wisdom of selflessness severs the root of cyclic existence. Kamala Shila quotes in his second stages of meditation, in order to discredit the assertions of the Chinese abbot Hashang, therefore you must have certain knowledge of this, for even non-Buddhist sages have many good qualities such as concentration and super-knowledges, but since they do not have the view of selflessness, they cannot escape cyclic existence at all. In this way, the scriptural collection of the Bodhisattvas cited earlier says, uh, that's where, I actually think I read one line, one Sentence too far. Okay, Dixon Rimbache. Shugusarpa. Shusar. She wrote. Where row? Row. 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 ซอจูเซเวเดนเลจอนซอรานเนชิปิตุคอนานิเมชิบาเตงันจินตองจิชูเชเนตะลาซอมุกุนเบลันโตงอบะงอบิงาเจชิเบคัวเลมดูวะต
lanı savaş ede jenle töbanı jenle dame çaba töbavu dena dene şine 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 tabala dame bi dene bi tuzan majiba nane çu nyato zimbi zimba gabi şedo jenle töbanı jenle töbanı şe şezu somba şezu somba dün dün mezavu şejayu somro tanjene lale ngosu tekonani ngosu metemba nanjan june june tela yuji oba oba kona kona ila Yıla tekonani, tekonani şebi ne, nama majun batu, majun batu mumbi mabam madu cinsuna dubi sentici bi şene tanci, şene tanci ne eşi gaba mancula mumbi mabam madu go teşir tekonani dame bi, dönge bi şero tewa şavu nyadu Şiro dönmezi vardı, vaşa gütü gönü babalı telaşını çoğunu hatun gönbaşadı. Dönyadı, sambaşavu, sambaşavu, çöndendici katancını lebasundu. Mesundu, cübeyi tekonani sava şeba, tekonani ile juva yino, juva nido, tekonani Tekona çina tamajunyu mebase vajindu tayu çava tanji çava joro. Şine tanji ne eşi gaba mecucin cibi mebama seva mecucin. Şiroci tekona ni lebar guna eşi nabar gaba joro. Eşi nabar gaba joro tekona ni tuban joro. Kona diba, diba ta, şero kona diba ta, diba yandaba, kona cüde, de, de ta yuna, ne, dağki şenela, ne de, şeroci, şeroci, de kona yonsu sava şavu. Şene, şene tanji ne, çoban zimba, çoban zimba mecavu. Tekonani çetabı şena. Dönü tabba. Ngobu tanji, ngobu tanji. Kanzata çüce. Dameba. Tumbani de. Şezo. Tekonani, tekonani deyan. Paşinci nane. Paşinci nane. Şişinci. Tuba yinci. Şişinci tuba yinci. Santenla subi. Tuba menübi. Menebe sağdan sağla şişin do matruva şene şero çekgüde gondile çöğden de şançu senba çöğnacı ngonyi ngonyi la ngonyi maçıba nila parı dışınba kanki zembala şenezi onajı şenezi onajı şero çeparı dışınbe parı dışınbe zindo Şezo, tela, gönü, hancan bir, 
One who is satisfied. One second, it's driving me crazy. Is my phone over there on the floor somewhere? Okay, perfect. Just as long as it's located. Thank you. It's like two things going on in my mind now. There's one. Back to back to the book. One who is satisfied with mere concentration, not understanding the reality explained in the scriptures, might develop an inflamed sense of pride, mistaking mere concentration for the path of meditation on the profound meaning. Consequently, such a person will not become free from cyclic existence. It was with this in mind that I said, one who listens to others will be free from aging and death. The teacher himself explains clearly what he meant, listening to others, means to hear the explanations of selflessness from another person. Therefore, it is unquestionable that the Buddha spoke of listening to others in order to refute the idea that you can develop the view of selflessness from within yourself, without study and reflection that go along with listening to an excellent external spiritual guide explain the meaning of selflessness. Generally, among all the conquerors' scriptures, there are some that explicitly teach about reality, and even those that do, uh, even the, and even those that do not explicitly teach it nonetheless indirectly point it toward it. The darkness of confusion is not overcome until the knowledge of reality dawns, but it is overcome when the knowledge arises. Therefore, meditative serenity, one-pointedness of mind, does not in itself become pure, sublime wisdom, nor does it overcome the darkness of confusion. Hence, there is no doubt that you must seek wisdom. You should think, I will seek the wisdom that discerns the meaning of selflessness Reality. Kamala Shila's second stages of meditation says, Then, having achieved serenity, you should cultivate insight. You should think all the sayings of the Bhagavan were spoken well, directly or indirectly. They all elucidate and point to reality. If I know reality, I will escape all the entanglements of dogmatic views, just as darkness is cleared away by the dawn. Meditative serenity alone does not lead to pure sublime wisdom, nor it will clear away the darkness of the obscurations. However, if I... However, if I use wisdom to meditate well on reality, I will reach pure, sublime wisdom and no reality. Only through wisdom can I get rid of obscurations. Therefore, I will remain in serenity and use wisdom to pursue reality. I will not be satisfied with meditative serenity alone. What is this reality? Ultimately, things are empty of the two selves and the self of persons and the self of phenomena. Um, of all the perfections, it is the perfection of wisdom that knows reality. Since you cannot know it by means of meditative stabilization or the other perfections, you should develop wisdom without mistaking mere meditative stabilizations for the perfection of wisdom. The Sutra Unraveling the Intended Meaning says, Bhagavan, through the, what perfection should bodhisattvas apprehend the absence of an essence in phenomena? Avogateshvara, they should apprehend it through the perfection of wisdom. As quoted earlier, the Sutra of Cultivating Faith in the Mahayana also makes the same point. I do not say that those who have faith in the Mahayana I do not say that those who have faith in the Mahayana of Bodhisattvas, unless they have wisdom, are delivered, no matter what Mahayana practice they must they may do. So uh, that 
completes chapter 7. It's not chaptered in Tibetan. And Digsung Rinpoche. Mazeba Tembale, Nabitan Jin Dutene, 
Okay, relying on definitive sources. <clears throat> Since insight is needed, the second section concerns how to train in insight. It has four parts. Fulfilling the prerequisites for insight, classifications of insight, 
how to cultivate insight in meditation, and the measure of achieving insight through meditation. Fulfilling the prerequisites for insight. You should listen to the stainless textual systems, relying on a scholar who accurately understands the key points of the scriptures, and an indispensable prerequisite for insight is to use the wisdom gained through study and reflection to develop knowledge of reality. For without a decisive view of how things exist, you cannot develop insight that knows the real nature, emptiness. Also, in seeking such a view, you must rely not on that which has provisional meaning, but rather on that which is definitive. Therefore, you should differentiate between the provisional and the definitive, and you, you should then internalize the meaning of the definitive scriptures. Moreover, if you do not rely upon the treatises by authority of stable trailblazers commenting on the Buddhist thought you are like a blind person headed towards danger without a guide hence you must rely on an accurate commentaries in the Buddhist thought on what sort of commentator should you depend you should rely on the one whom Bhagavan Buddha himself very clearly prophesized in many scriptures sutras and tantras as a commenter commentator on the heart of the teaching, the profound real reality beyond all extremes in existence and non-existence. He is the noble Nagarjuna, renowned in this world and in those beyond. Therefore, rely upon his texts as you seek the view that is the knowledge of emptiness. With regard to these prerequisites for insight, there are three parts. Identifying scriptures of provisional and definitive meaning, the history of commentary on Nagarjuna's intended meaning, how to determine the philosophical view of emptiness. 1. Identifying the scriptures of the provisional meaning and definitive meaning. Those who wish to know reality must rely on the conqueror's scriptures. However, due to the diversity of ideas among the Buddhist scriptures, the scriptures vary. Hence, you might wonder what sort of scriptures you should rely upon in seeking the meaning of the profound reality. You must know reality and reliance upon scriptures of definitive meaning. What sort of scripture is definitive and what sort is provisional? This is determined by way of the subjects that they discuss. Those that teach the ultimate are considered scriptures of the definitive meaning, and those that teach conventionalities are considered the scriptures of provisional meaning. In that, in that vein, the teachings of the Aksayamati Sutra... Hmm. Aksay... No way. What are the... <laughs> just read that Sanskrit word to yourselves, says, what are the sutras of definitive meaning? What are the sutras of provisional meaning? Those sutras that teach so as to establish conventionalities are called provisional. Those sutras that teach so as to establish the ultimate are called definitive. Those sutras that teach by way of various words and letters are called provisional. Those sutras that teach the profound reality which is difficult to understand and difficult to know are called definitive. Question. How does a sutra teach conventionalities so as to be classified as provisional, and how does a sutra teach the ultimate as to be, so as to be classified as definitive? This is also is indicated very clearly in the teachings of the Aksayamati Sutra. It says, Sutras called provisional are those that teach as though they were an owner, where there is none. Using various expressions, self-sentient being, living being, nourished being, creature, person, mankind, human, agent, experiencer. Sutras called definitive are those that teach the doors of liberation, emptiness, signlessness, wishlessness, decomposition, no production, no creation, no sentient beings, no living beings, no persons, and no owners. This means that the definitive are those that teach selflessness, no production, and such by eliminating elaborations, while the provisional are those that teach the self, and so forth. Therefore, you should understand that the no self, no production, and such are the ultimate, while the production of, and so forth, are the conventional. The king of concentration, Sutra, says, 
understand as instances of definitive sutras that te- teach in accordance with emptiness explained by the Sugata. Understand as a f- provisional meaning of those all, all of those teachings that posit a sentient being, person, or living being. Also, Kamala Shila's illumination of the middle way says, Therefore, you should understand that only those that discuss the ultimate are of definitive meaning. The others are provisional meaning. Also, the ornament for the light of wisdom that introduces the object of all Buddhas says the definitive object is the ultimate. And also, the teachings of the Aksayamati Sutra teaches that the absence of production and so forth are definitive. Consequently, it is certain that with that only the absence of production and so forth are called ultimates. Uh, so the, the negations here are referring to the lack of true established, not the lack of existence. Let me just make sure where we are here. Okay, So when we are differentiating between uh, um, Figurative and definitives, or they're using the word provisional and definitive. We realize that it it refers to whether it's an ultimate truth or a conventional truth being presented. Rimache Chiran the Nangwei Chen Lei Zhang. Nangwei Chen Lei Zhang Les, huh? Nangwei Chen Lei Zhang. Nebitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjitanjit
definitive is that ultimate and and figurative is conventional or or this word I'm not used to using uh, provisional um, is conventional and definitive um, is uh, ultimate um, so they both say that but what they mean by that is a slightly different in the those, those schools which is very subtle so um, just to point that out okay Gongo Gongo 
Where did I stop? Oh, I see. Therefore, the collections. Yep. I've caught it right as you were saying it. Therefore, the collections of the Manyamaka arguments, as well as the commentaries on them, are considered texts that precisely teach the definitive because they demonstrate at length the meaning of the ultimate that is free from all masses of elaboration, such as production and cessation. Why are teachings called provisional or definitive? A text is called definitive or definitive meaning because it cannot be interpreted to mean something else. So just as a translator's note, just going back to the discussion that Rinpoche and I had, um, about ultimate and conventional. It's because that, um, the, according to the Middle Way Autonomy School, their view ultimately of how things exist require the, the labeler uh, and the, the, the object itself to have some chairness or thisness that come together to to bring it into being, whereas Madhyamaka just, uh, consequence school says it's merely labeling and there isn't an interaction between the two, that it's merely labeling on parts. Um, so the consequence school says that the middle way autonomy school still leaves some lingering, lingering true establishment. And I probably didn't explain it that well, but you can look into it, that that's, that's why it, the, they, put them in the same categories, but the meaning is different because the meaning of emptiness according to the autonomy school and the meaning of emptiness according to Prasangika are slightly different. Um, the Prasangika says it's merely just naming parts and the autonomy says yes, but the parts have some play in that interaction. They have some, they have some this-ness to them that then allows for the interaction. It requires both parties. For the, for the thing to come into being. Something to that degree, but it needs to be investigated further. Don't, don't take that as the solid meaning, but that, that's what Rinpoche was getting at when he was saying there's a difference in the meaning. It's because they posit emptiness in a different way. 
Its meaning is the endpoint of the process of making determinations insofar as it the meaning of reality itself. No one else can interpret it as having some further or different meaning because it's backed up by valid proofs. Thus Kamala Shila's illumination of the middle way says, What is a text's definitive meaning? It is one that gives an explanation in terms of the ultimate and is supported by valid cognition, for it cannot be interpreted by someone else as having any other contrary meaning. Implicitly, the statement allows you to understand the provisional. The provisional, or that which requires interpretation, is a text that cannot be taken to mean exactly what it says. Rather, you must uh, explain what it intends, interpreting it as having some other meaning. Or, it is a text that can be taken literally, but in which this literal meaning is not the final reality. And you must still seek that reality as something other than the conventional phenomenon to which the text refers. Qualm. Since sutras and definitive meaning are literal, when statements such as production does not exist and persons do not exist appear in those sutras, one must conclude that production and pers persons do not exist at all. Otherwise, those sutras would not be literal, and it would absurdly follow that they are provisional. Reply. This does not seem tenable because there are many definitive sutras in which the Buddha, the teacher who makes these statements, adds the qualification ultimately when refuting production and so forth. If he adds such a qualification once, then we must add it even where it does not occur because it is a common attribute of all such refutations. Since the absence of ultimate existence is the reality of phenomena, how could a sutra teaching this not be definitive? Otherwise, if these sutras did not did refute production in a general sense, then, as, as far as particulars, they would also refute words, and hence even the definitive sutras that teach this could not make their presentations. Therefore, you should understand that a sutra or a treatise may still be definitive, even if it, what it teaches in a few isolated phrases cannot be read literally when stripped from the context of the general system of the surrounding it in the scripture. You also should understand that even when the teaching of the very words of a text can be taken literally, the text may still be provisional, because it's not about the ultimate. Um... So when we look at uh, then the Dembani Garshinik so it is stated that the way we categorize these things when we look at the two truths, the conventional truth and ultimate truth, um, if it, uh, um, um, we we would say that if it is something which teaches the ultimate truth, then it is necessarily um, definitive. And if it is something which teaches the conventional truth, then it is provisional. Um, so it is stated that if it is a, a, a teaching um, by the Buddha which um, expresses um, the conventional, uh, then it is necessarily a figurative sutra. 
And if it is a teaching which expresses the ultimate, then it is necessarily a definitive sutra. Uh, so this is how we de divide uh, provisional and definitive, whether provisional being conventional and definitive being ultimate. Uh, so now uh, we're going to have uh, quite, we're at leaving off page 115, and then uh, if people have questions, um, and again, uh, yeah, we'll see where we go with that. There's nothing really in this that's scaring me too much, so. <laughs> I see you back there. <laughs> Get on them. Oh, I don't need to. I feel like we need some intro, like pass the mic. We need some beats and stuff. We need techniques when we pass the mic. See it. See executioners. Um, can we just look at the top of 109 uh, paragraph? Um, it says, the teacher himself explains clearly what he meant. Listening to others means to hear the explanation of selflessness from another person. Therefore, it is unquestionable that the Buddha spoke of listening to others in order to refute the idea that you can develop the view of selflessness oh, from within yeah. yourself. Sure. So... The Buddha didn't have the teachings of the Buddha to achieve enlightenment and omniscience. Yeah, he and did. At some point, right, you have to go back, 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 back. Buddha's previous life. The Buddha's, there's Kashapa Buddha before Shakyamuni Buddha. But ultimately, right, they always say back, 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 back. So there had to be, someone had to realize this truth without a prior teaching. It's not logical. Well, that's my point. Well, it's not logical, and it doesn't say that. It's not logical to present that somebody ever had it without an explanation, had this realization without an explanation. And the Buddha Shakyamuni didn't either. Buddha Shakyamuni wasn't self-taught. He had previous lives where he was taught by other Buddhas and other teachers about Buddhism. Well, I guess this gets back to my thing the other day. So he didn't achieve enlightenment in that incarnation in that sorry that's the wrong word in no that, one during does. that rebirth it's it's all a collection i mean it takes eons of collection collecting merit and wisdom right for anyone to achieve buddhahood right so at some point in time in a life you will achieve that buddhahood in in a life it will occur sooner or later so that ha buddha shakyamuni if you believe the Hinayana track, and it was an actual reality of when he achieved enlightenment, right? in that life, achieved it. But? Because of the collection of the previous lives that led up to it, that life. But it's saying that, so, but someone had to have taught him that? Yes. In order for 100%. Rinpoche, Shacha Tupa. The um, Lama Tsongkhapa, the, uh, uh, let me find the exact page, that way we can uh, refer exactly to, uh, what page was it again in English? 109, top, uh, 566, 566, then they, they should, uh, 566 is where it begins, that's a goal, okay. Uh, just give me one second, folks. I've got it. 
Shachatupa the Sanjay. You need to make some, say, de con chanchu lanson. Tata, tata, tata. You need con jewangamo gegen, you rebe. Then, Kansak, Duni Dopi Shira, you can Kansak gegen, maybe Kansak mepa. Okay, so it is not possible without a teacher to understand emptiness. Without having the explanation of emptiness given to a person, without negating the ignorance which causes us to be born again and again with wisdom, one cannot become a Buddha. One can't become enlightened. So Buddha Shakyamuni most definitely... Uh, created, if you look at the Jataka tales uh, of Buddha Shakyamuni's previous lives, which are uh, the um, the Cherup, the Jataka Mala, it shows all of the previous incarnations when Buddha was a Bodhisattva, when he was a rabbit, when he was all of these different things, and he was learning things, he was teaching things, um, which all led up to his enlightenment. And as Rinpoche said, according uh, to the Hinayana track. Buddha Shakyamuni achieved enlightenment in Bodhigaya under the Bodhi tree, uh, and uh, uh, that's where that occurred. According to the Mahayana, it occurred at a previous time, but it did occur at a time in a lifetime. So um, it, without a teacher, it's not possible to have one's own individual realization of something like that. But from a previous life, because we, are, we have this ignorance. That's why we're in cyclic existence. That's why we're born again and again, because we have this, since beginningless time, this grasping, which is this ignorance. And in order for us to remove, replace that ignorance with knowledge, that knowledge has to be explained or imparted to us in some way or another. Like you had to be taught how to drive a car. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. That, that sort of thing. Some people drive cars better than others. Why? Because in previous lives they drove more cars. No, they were better. It refutes the idea of having original ideas. Right. There, there aren't any. There's no original ideas. No. Sorry. So they've all, you know, we've always known... A previous thought. Of every thought came a previous thought, which came from a previous thought, which came from someone telling us something, which was a previous ignorance, which became a knowledge. No, those are, that's not saying the same thing. You have to have precursors to have that thought, 
but that doesn't mean that that thought has already occurred. So there could be precursors to understanding selflessness, but I could still come to the realization of selflessness from those previous concepts. So I should still be able to realize selflessness yeah, but then from those knowing pre- those previous but, things. But, you're, but we're both saying the same thing. You're saying that in dependence upon these precursors, in dependence upon this previous knowledge, you're able to realize this. You're able to realize this. But it's this grasping at this, you're able to realize it, that's the problem here. You're only able to realize it because of this dependent origination, because of this le- leading up to this. Without this leading up, you take that away, this person doesn't know anything. This person doesn't realize anything. You have to have these precursors and these steps that lead up to that realization. It doesn't just occur without something to make it occur because it is a result. All, of it, all results rely on causes. So Correct. without a cause that's causally concordant, so it can't be a, a, an inconcordant cause. Correct. It has to be a concordant cause. So you have to have collected concordant causes to have this result that's like like result. Right. So you're the result of ex- wisdom. Right, but you're saying an external factor has to be imbued into that process for uh, me to come up to that realization. I don't see You are too. The- We're both saying that. You're saying that. You're saying the same thing I'm saying. My externals are your precursors. No? Yeah, I guess I just, it it just sounds so very definitive in that sentence that they're saying it's not, you know, that you have to have this specific teaching to achieve this specific endpoint, as opposed to you can have, you know, that there are many paths to get to that endpoint. This is saying you have to have a teacher teaching these specific teachings to get to that realization, as opposed to there are all these possible causes and conditions that, you know, I should be able to follow the lives of the Buddha in, in theory and achieve the exact same endpoint he did without ever having, um, you know, necessarily um, having an external source get me to that endpoint. I guess, but you know, that like, is the external source. If you're following a no, not that blueprint, to, no, no, that there, it just so happens. No, it wouldn't so happen though. What do you mean, just so happens? Because well, you're saying that there's only one way to get to to the, you know, that it has to come from this external source. There's one the, wisdom. You have yes, this. Yeah. I mean, it's as simple as you. The the reason you're stuck in, according to Buddhism, in cyclic existence is because you grasp at things as being truly established. The understanding that things aren't truly established and that whole bag of what that all means mm-hmm. is the whole me- like foundation of what the Buddha said gets us out of cyclic existence. Because Buddha said it's this looking at things wrong that makes us, igno- that makes us have to stay here. Right. So oh, in order to look at things right, we need precursors to get from wrong to right so that's all we're saying the same thing so it's not that so you didn't have an original thought if all of these things led up to you having that thought it was a compound it wasn't original because it it couldn't have occurred without those things the realization of emptiness couldn't have occurred without things how do you get chocolate milk you need milk, you need chocolate. You put those together and then you have chocolate milk. 
but you can't put water and pepper together and get chocolate milk. I don't understand how it works. You know what I mean, though? The time one, though. Like, if you're going back and back and back, someone had to have this real Why? Because then you're saying it's... Beginningless. Yeah. And that's what we're saying. That's Buddhism's whole thing. Buddhism's saying you can't logically, no matter how hard you try, come up with first. So we don't even try. We just say beginningless. There may be, maybe you find out when you're enlightened, oh, there's a beginning. But Buddha said it's so illogical that you'll just spin tires. You'll never get to it because it's illogical to say that somehow something inconcordant made something. It's just not logical. So how do you get this moment from a previous moment, from a previous moment? And you just don't end up with a beginning logically. If you say consciousness, where did consciousness come from? If it came from an external being, we have to know everything that external being knows, and we'd all have to know the same thing because we have their consciousness. Consciousness causes consciousness. So we either had to be given consciousness from an external being, so we would all, either there's a being, a God for all of us, or one God, and we all know the same thing that God knows, or we have to have some other track of consciousness that's our own individual track that's a cause and effect that's taking place. And those are really the only two options that you can come up with, unless it's some magic. Like, you know what I mean? Like, then, then that's, I can't, you know, like real magic, like, that we can't explain. But um, the Buddha always taught in, in terms of logic and provables, in, in terms of uh, dispelling doubts and the things that you had to have faith in that were a kind of illogical and magical weren't necessary to really become enlightened. Like Barbara, who started the center, you know, it's six perfections, done. I mean, that's really what you're trying to do. You know, you can entangle it, but you need, you know, ethics, generosity, you know, patience, effort, concentration, and wisdom, you know. I mean, that's what you're really, you're really aiming at. So, anyway, I hope that helped. I love when you ask questions because it makes me think and brings me back to like being in Drepung in the chura, in the debate. And uh, Rinpoche, as Rinpoche knows, Rinpoche, the kon chiwa dang a lenja the Drepung losaling chura dang rabudu gang insena the the kon chiwa ja then nge lenja then kon sanlo danson then chiwa chiwa jenda ja son then lenja son the dasi dang dang drar chipa he says the same, same exact thing as what we would do in, in Drepung. That's what we, he and I were just doing is exactly what monks do all day, every day for 25 years. And then they get that degree. <laughs> and they still aren't sure. Sorry, just a follow-up. So solitary realizers rely on previous lives and past experiences to develop their insights? So do the solitary realizers have the same lead up? Like the the nian tu dang ran jie, jie wang ama lobjung jie wang ama 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 lobjung shi sun. Yes, the same. The hearers and solitary realizers um, both rely on previous lives wis wisdoms studies. 
Uh, yeah, just uh, had a, a point of clarification that I was hoping to uh, get with the, um, the Middleway School and um, the, uh, the autonomists uh, see a need to have uh, some remnant of, of self and objects and individuals. I was wondering what that remnant is and what is the philosophical underpinnings for why they need to keep it. That's what the consequentialists want to know. What is that? Why do you think that's there? And that's why they negate it, um, because it's still a form of grasping. The Rimache, the Uma Tanjur, the Uma Ranjupa, the Ranjupa, the Demba Drupa Detsiyere, the Chu Demba Drupa Dets Detsiyere, Nangla. Ground Drupa. It has some, some inherent existence. Um, the Garshene, the Konsutsampa, the Yul, the Nichagu, the Yul Dang Mingda, Nichagu, Ranjupa Tsampa, the Nikagu, the Tesla, then Chukanga Dets So Rangi so they believe that if all phenomena didn't have some essence that they wouldn't that they would say it doesn't exist. Ron Drupa, some uh, inherent establishment. If there wasn't some essence that the object has, then it would be non-existent. That's their. That's what they say. Some something like that. Um, it would take a, a lot more for me to really extrapolate this for you in terms of my vocabulary skills, and as of like right this second. I mean, if you know, I had it was in a room and had 15 minutes to you know work with Rinpoche and some texts. I could go further, um, but if um, the Rinpoche. So according to the autonomy school, Rinpoche said, it requires both the person naming it as well as the object having some sort of essence of thatness. It has some, some sort of um, inherent establishment. Um, and then, um, but that in and of itself isn't enough for it to be established. It requires the person establishing it and that for it to come into being as a chair, for instance. So it says, the, the autonomy school says that a chair has some chairness, but not enough chairness to be a chair until somebody names it a chair. Does that make sense? Not much. Yeah, it's subtle. It's saying that there's, there's these parts that have like some essence of chair, but it requires both that and the person naming it for it to come into the world as a chair. Okay. Um, According to the Middle Way Autonomy School, the Consequence School says there's just parts and we're naming them, folks. There's no essence over there of anything. There's stuff, but there's no essence. So it's not, so the Middle Way Consequence School says that's ridiculous to say that that would negate its existence. We're not saying it doesn't exist. We're saying it doesn't have this essence you're saying it has. Right. A while ago we said that uh, um, 
that a a car could be a coconut cracker to somebody who'd never seen yeah. a car before. Yeah, that's a good. That's a debate. Yeah. Um. So, the then that car has coconut crackerness as opposed to carness. Rimche, the mota, mota mota duturua gare, gare, and then mota lanka drogudu. Yene, the shintu, the. Jakar yure, the Shintu, Nangla, Uma yure, Shera Trapudu. Then the Mota, the the Drodu, the Shintu, then the Mota Yomari, the Shintu, uh, Chak, Chak, Truchar. Mota Yomari, Shintu, Chak, Truchar. Gutsusun. Then the Ming, then the Mota, Mota Yomari. ごちそうさん。モトシトンですちゃばいなね。でね、で、モタ、で、ランカドロ、ドロヨマリ、モタで、シンツ、チャック、トゥチャー。でね、モタに、モタダン、シンツ、チャック、トゥチャー。ナン
because the nominal doesn't have any essence of this or that. That's the whole answer to the question of why you negate autonomy. So basically, I don't understand why they're clinging to it. It's, uh, they all, it's just, the, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, they all, like, why does some mind-only school think that it's only your mind? Why does the autonomy, you know what I mean? They all have wrong views, that's why they're negated by the prasangika school. And they're just views that are things that people have thought to be true. And they just get subtler and subtler as you look through the tenet systems. Like if you look at the, uh, the first tenet system, the Vabhashika, the Great Exposition School and what they believe. It's much more coarse than what the Middle Way Autonomy School believes, but both hold wrong views. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, one second. But that really is how you negate the autonomy school. It's because it can be a coconut crusher and named as that and serve the function of crushing coconuts. It's able to perform the function of crushing coconuts. So it's suitable to be named as a coconut crusher. And it's able to drive down the road. So it's suitable to be named as a car. Therefore, it doesn't have any inherent existence of either because it's just named by the namer. All right, I just had like a little epiphany, so sorry I'm sharing. Sharing. Um, the, uh, yeah. The question, there's two words, knowledge and wisdom. And, and the, the Buddha, had, or they had written down all these things that is, becomes knowledge, that goes into you as knowledge. I'm, I'm wondering what the transformation is that of, of, wis, of knowledge going into wisdom. I th I, we're doing English words right now. That's the only problem. That, if I yeah, do three right. Rinpoche, Tibetan, Tibetan word for knowledge. Uh, well, what do you mean when you? What do you well, mean? You'd have to define okay. it. What do you uh, think knowledge is? No, what do you? What is knowledge? Is taking all these words and they have meaning, and they go into as meaning, and then you there's it, thoughts with that, and you put that meaning together, and that's to me is knowledge. You have that, but wisdom. Is something else, and I and I don't so know if there's a Tibetan word for wisdom, but it's Share it's, it's it's taking all the knowledge. Now, when you say wisdom, and if it's accumulated all this knowledge, does it become wisdom? I'm just wondering the transformation from knowledge to wisdom. Again, we're taught English words. Yeah. The knowledge it depends. If you're yeah. talking about wisdom specifically in the Buddhist context, it's the wisdom realizing emptiness. So it's something to know. Knowledge is stuff you know. You can have knowledge yeah. about a car, a knowledge about a bike, a knowledge about Buddhism, a knowledge about Christianity, stuff you know. Okay. Emptiness is some, something that you could know, which is knowledge, but it would also be wisdom, according to this context. But you might say wisdom's just knowing that this isn't a car, it's a book. That's wisdom also. That's a different wisdom than the wisdom of emptiness, though. So it's just splitting the words apart. And the sheja dang shera, the chapagare, the she dang shera. Sheja to shera. Muslim. Sheba in the sheja in the sheja in the sheja in majoro. So it's three, third, three possibilities. If it's knowledge, it's not necessarily wisdom. If it's wisdom, it's necessarily knowledge. Something which is both is wisdom realizing emptiness, and something which is neither is a rabbit with horns. So it's three possibilities with, when you compare wisdom 
and knowledge. Well, that last one was emptiness and wisdom. Is the, uh, the wisdom realizing emptiness would be knowledge because it's something oh. you know, you know emptiness, and it'd be wisdom because it's the wisdom that we speak of, the wisdom so, of emptiness. So wisdom realizing emptiness would be both the same thing because emptiness and wisdom, they would, it would be cinnamon, right? No. Emptiness is a concept. Wisdom is knowing that concept. What is a concept? Emptiness is a concept, and wisdom is knowing that concept. But but a concept is a thought process. You know, it's a conceptual. I'm just, I'm really just trying to work with easier words. It's a concept. The concept that things are empty of true established. The concept that that this is empty because it dependently originates. So emptiness is a concept. Oh, in that sense, yes. But in, but within yourself, when you're empty, it, there's a, it's a... It's you're a, empty, period. Oh, well, it's not okay. within yourself. When you're empty, you're always empty, period. Okay. You're always empty. It's not okay. when you're empty. Right I, now, you're empty. Yesterday, you're empty. Okay. Tomorrow, you I, will be I empty. A, another word to come is experience. To have the experience of emptiness. The realization, the, you mean? Experience. Well, that's uh, experience. Is, real. Is we would a, say realization. I know you want to no. use. It is an exp, well, realization. It, is an experience. Okay. Okay. But if it's a realization, it's an experience. But if it's an experience, it's not a realization. You could experience uh, the weather changing. Yeah. It's not a realization, but you could have a realization, and that's an experience. Are we? What are we doing here? Are we doing something? Are we getting somewhere? I mean, like, is this making sense? Um, what okay, it, good. It's, it's, yeah. I guess, in in a sense, some things become abstract. There's an abstraction, and then some things are very objective. I think it's. And I think that really. The truth be told, most of it's not abstract at all. And I think the less abstract you stay, the better off you are. It's really very simple black and white concepts that just need to be understood more thoroughly. It's something that's very black and white and very incontrovertible when you look at it. And all that you're trying to do is get your mind to believe the wisdom that are on these pages beyond a shadow of a doubt and to make it your wisdom because it's ultimately correct. So you're just going over it again and some of these simple things. Phenomena is not truly established because it dependently originates. Therefore, it's empty. That's it. That, those, that... Those three things that I just said are the entire point of emptiness, but it's going over what that means again and again. This is not truly established. It's here. It exists, but there's many parts that come together, and then I name it a book. Without that naming it a book, there's no book here. So it's like it's getting to the point where you're unraveling the misconception in your mind that thinks that there's a book that's always just a book. There's a Jeff that's always just a Jeff. I is always I. I will always be I. And that clinging to that misconception is what causes us to have to suffer again and again and again. So it's just refining 
that understanding of phenomena is not truly established because it dependently originates, therefore it's empty. It's just believing that. Okay. It's just getting yourself to believe that. No, that's a, that's, you got, I got the answer. Thank yeah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, get out of the abstract. Drive out of there. My mind works like that too and it gets tangled very, very easily and I get into this, you know, what does it mean kind of stuff and uh, I had to be told the same thing. Four Noble Truths, Six Perfections. <laughs> Any more questions? Are we? Yeah, something specifically for Rimache. I'm sure he isn't, my show isn't really that exciting for him. <laughs> 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 With regard to unraveling misconceptions, I'm thinking of a person like really suffering not because of necessarily well, because of misconceptions, but something really understandable like they're being they're they're starving. For ex we can use that as an example. A person who is starving and it's painful, it's there's it's very difficult. And if we're looking at that example and unraveling misconceptions, I mean, that is the path. I mean, say it's a, a person who's Buddhist, and they have some teachings. So they're trying to unravel the misconceptions. In that process, um, does that suffering give them, like, fuel to unravel those misconceptions? experiencing that suffering and unraveling it. I think it's good. it depends on the individual and their karma. But Okay. Yuna, then Natsu Maripa Mambo Yure, then Maripa Dungyao Ju, the Denzin, Dungyao Tsawa. Then Natsu Dungyao Yuna, Natsu Dungyao Yuna, Maripa Pantudue. Dungyao Maripa Pongdu. Dungyao Pentokdu. Dungyao Pentokdu. Maripa Pongdu. Drawa yo mare. So, being, uh, having suffering, I said in general, the Trogudu, the Konsegdu, or I just explained that the suffering was being starving, um, does not in any way negate ignorance. Suffering doesn't negate ignorance. That it? All right. Concluding mandala offering. Rimache tu chena. Natsushira robache adu. And just everyone, the first Wednesday of the month, Rimache is going to be giving the transmission of uh, and explanation of the Madhyamika Avatara. Um, Chandrakirti's entrance to the middle way. Um, so I think we're going to use the... Um, I'll talk to you about that. I have a, a, an idea. Um, so uh, we'll talk about that after class. And uh, so yes, thank you all and concluding Mandal offering and dedication prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. 
I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land, surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All-powerful Avalokiteshvara Tenzin Jatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandok, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Tuji Rimche Gutsi Shapi Denonang, Matsu Lamrim Chembo Dong, Uma Jupa Kanga Chirolang, Sawashi.